0: Your next income stream might be sitting right in your driveway. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. It's the entrepreneurship podcast you can actually apply. Today, we're talking about how to get your piece of a hundred billion dollar market. It's the same business model practiced by Hertz, Avis, Enterprise, National, renting out cars for a profit. It's a business with lots of built-in demand and new platforms like Turo, T-U-R-O help put your car or cars in front of that demand and get paid now two years ago curtis murphy decided to give this a shot on the side with his personal car and since then and with the help of a couple partners has grown it to a six-figure business that now has 14 cars in its fleet stick around in this one to learn how to protect yourself and your vehicle assets and how to set yourself up for profitability as a rental host Notes and links to all the resources mentioned are at sidehustlenation.com cars. While you're there, make sure to download your free listener-only bonus for this episode. It's my list of 25 other you know, unconventional things that you can rent out for a profit. Maybe cars aren't your thing. That's totally fine. There are lots of other assets you can apply this same rental business model to. Once again, that's at sidehustlenation.com cars or just hit the show notes link in the episode description. You can learn more about Curtis in the rental game at familytalksauto.co. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this call with Curtis after the interview. Now, his 1st tour booking went well, and he's thinking, okay, this is pretty easy money. The second booking, well, I'll let him tell it. Ready? Let's do it.
1: I was on my high horse after the first rental. Um, that second one, everything went as planned uh, as far as the check-in. I didn't have a weird vibe at all. And then, Come time for the uh, pickup, I called them around 1130. The p- up. was at 12 noon. No answer. I get to the pickup location at 12. Still no answer. I went ahead and call and text. So at this point, I did what anybody else would do, right? I called the police and I basically told them, I think my car is stolen. They asked me to explain what happened. I told them I rented this car out with Toro. So since I handed over my keys, they basically said, I, 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 it's a few steps that I have to do myself before they get involved. So with that being said, I basically text the renter like, hey, uh, I have a police uh notification out. The car is reported stolen. They are actively looking for it. So at this time, that's when they reply back with the location of a random parking lot here in Dallas that they just dropped the car off to. And uh yeah, so luckily when I got there, my my keys were still inside and was just sitting in the cup. Oh, my gosh.
0: Jeez uh condition it was the car trashed or was it okay Oh uh,
1: no it was trashed so the outside luckily was still okay like it wasn't damaged but the inside was trash it was like oh debris and trash like fast food you name it <laughs> uh i'm sorry so what
0: happens in that case does turo do anything for you or do you just collect a damage deposit and say like uh okay that's what it's for
1: all right so turo as long as you do the check-in process uh properly like Take the necessary pictures, make sure you verify the identification before handed off the keys. Toro will actually, they will make you, uh they will make the guests pay for their damages, but they will give you the money up front and they will charge the guests on the back end, at least in certain certain situations. Sometimes they let you work it out with the guests where they can just send you the payment directly and leave Toro out of it. It's just depending on okay. how big that scenario is.
0: Okay. So you ended up being okay. I think that would be a scary situation. It would probably turn a lot of people off from the platform, from the business in general. But you said, you know what? I still think there's something here. I got to just figure this business out and um, and try and scale it up. So what, what happens after that?
1: Oh, yeah. So when I got the car back, um, that's kind of when I took a step back. Like, do I really want to continue this, right? Because that's everybody's biggest fear is getting their car stolen, especially when it's your personal car. I started with my own personal car, so I had no other car at the time. So that was kind of like, you know, my precious joy in a sense. So um, moving forward, I actually started seeking some help. I'm like, hey, I need to talk to people who's already been in this game, who already have some experience. So uh, me and my business partners, we actually invested into a mentorship. My guy down in Atlanta, his name is Pushman Mitch. He started off with economy cars, similar to how we are, but now he's scaled up to like exotic cars. He have like Lamborghinis, McLarens, you name it. So we actually invested into his mentorship and he basically kind of showed us the ropes, showed us the do's and don'ts and kind of uh, gave us some insight for, with experience. Okay. Did you continue to rent out
0: that personal car and it started going a little bit better after that? Did you put anything in place to protect yourselves from uh, from a similar situation?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. The first thing I did after that was uh, bought a tracker. We got a, a commercial grade tracker. It actually uh, tracked the speed, the geofence of the car. So you can put like the parameters to Texas. So as soon as that car leave out the state of Texas, you'll get an alert. And they also have a kill switch device. Then that's key. So whenever you do come into a situation like that, you can kill switch that car and go recover your car before anything gets out of hand. So uh, just learning that little piece of information right there just kind of gave us that extra security blanket and kind of gave me that confidence to get back out there and rent my car out again.
0: Yeah. What's the brand or do you remember the de- name of that device? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. A gold star. We use the gold star advice. So you do need a business LOC to open up a with them. You can't just like open up like, Hey, I just want a tracking device. You do have to have a LOC. Uh, we have multiple, um, vehicles. So when you have a multiple vehicles, they give you discounts. So that's pretty good. And then, uh, you can control everything right from your cell phone. So you can unlock it, lock it, kill switch it. And nowhere is that twenty four hours a day, right from your phone.
0: Okay, wow. Um, and I imagine d- disclose that to the customer upfront. Oh, by the way, I'm, <laughs> I'm tracking your every move here.
1: Right, right. Uh, so you're allowed to track them, but um, I guess you can disclose it. Toro, like if you if Toro asks, "Hey, do you have a tracking device?" You have to be upfront. Yes. Some people try to go the cheap route, which is AirTags. I know you pretty uh, you pretty much heard about the AirTag device.
0: Sure, stick one in the trunk. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a lot of people try to stick one in the trunk or up under a seat or anything, but actually, with that AirTag, if you have an Apple iPhone, it would alert you that is it's an Air tra- uh, a tracking device. An uh, AirTag has actually been following you for the last hour or two, and people do not like that. Like, just I guess that's like a breach of privacy in a sense. Like, hey, it's kind of awkward. My phone let me know a map of hey, this thing's been tracking my every location. So I highly recommend do not use an air tax because that just put a bad experience in their customer's mouth.
0: Yeah. Unless you tell people like, hey, look, this is what's gonna this is what's gonna happen. This is to protect me, this is to protect you. That's just how it's gonna be. Okay. Uh, so starting out with your personal car, maybe talk to me about the market research that goes into a new car purchase with the intent of turning that into a rental. And this is the same thing that, you know, Hertz and Avis do and say, like, okay, well, we're gonna forecast that it's going to be rented 20 days a month at this rate. And this is going to be our, you know, monthly debt service on the car. I imagine these are financed. Yep. Or maybe it's cash, but talk to me through some of that process. If I'm saying, okay, this sounds interesting. I want to get a piece of this.
1: Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So as many ways you can go about uh, getting a car for Toro, you can actually start with your personal car, get a cash car, a finance car, or you can join a partnership and use someone else's car. But like to answer your question, as far as the finance car, it's a lot to go into it. I wouldn't recommend just going to the dealership, hey, getting a cool car and just putting it on the platform. You do have to do some market research. Toro is pretty tricky because uh, different cars perform well in certain markets and perform pretty average in others. So I can give you an example of uh, the Chrysler 300 that I um, started with. That was my personal car. And um, down here in Dallas, you can get anywhere between 50 to 60 dollars a day like comfortably for that Chrysler. But in Michigan, I'm from Michigan, people in that market can get $90 to $100 a day, no problem, for the exact same car, same year. So um, just knowing your market is key. So for example, if you live a sm- in a smaller market or not really a tourist state, you won't want to go out and buy a Maserati or a super exotic car with a high payment because you know that car wouldn't be rented out as much, the, um, You know, depending on the travel, what season it is, uh, time of month type of deal. So all that does play a factor when it comes to buying a car. So I would highly recommend doing some research see what that same car is renting out for. That way you can see, okay, like you were saying, if this car rent out average 20 days a month, can I cover the car payment and still profit off this car? So those are like things you got to ask yourself before, you know, getting a new car.
0: Does Truro give you that data as an outsider looking in? I mean, you can, I guess, you know, try and ballpark it based on, you know, what, what is the future availability of this thing for the next 30 days? You know, how many reviews do they have on the site to get a sense of how often it's being rented in addition to, well, what's the advertised daily rate of this Tesla Model 3 or something?
1: Toro do have some backend stats to kind of let you know what cars perform the best in your market. Like, for example, I know that Tesla and that Prius was uh, one of the one of the two top performing cars here in Dallas but may not be the same in like Miami, right? Just kind of knowing your market and knowing what cars perform well will kind of suit you best.
0: Is it all airport pickups for you or, you know, are people doing in town rentals? Hey, my car is in the shop. I just need something to get around for the week, something like that.
1: So uh, we have a combination of both. Uh, We have the um, local Dallas person, like you said, car may be in a shop, maybe taking their wife out on a date for the weekend. Maybe traveling down in Houston. There's many different reasons they need it. And we also have that um, weekly guest that's coming in the airport, maybe for a vacation, business meeting, or so forth. So we honestly like to cater to both sides.
0: Okay, fair. I want to get back into the logistics and stuff, but take me back to maybe uh, you know, vehicle number two that you added to the fleet. What you know? What did you? Uh, what did you go for next that you purchased specifically for? Uh,
1: the rental. Yep, absolutely. So, um, me and my two business partners, Troy and Dom, I kind of spoke to them like, Hey, man, I think this Toro thing is a good thing. I've been using my personal car, been making some profit. Hey, let's kind of go in together and get a car. So what we did, we all went, uh, $2,000 a piece and bought a $6,000 cash car. We bought a, a 2016 Nissan Versa. And the reason being, um, after doing some research, we realized that economy cars here was, um, going out pretty well and within the first I would say eight to nine months, we uh recruit that investment. Okay. And then everything after that is, oh, yep.
0: is, profit, is just profit. Just profit.
1: Yep. And then we kept that car for about fourteen months total and then we sold the car and we actually sold the car for six thousand dollars. So we sold it for exactly what we paid for and still made that profit in, in in between time. So that was that was major for us.
0: Yeah, interesting. And that's a part of the equation too is the expected Depreciation of the car. Well, we're going to put all these miles on it. What's it expected to be worth after a year and a half, two years of doing this? How does that all factor in? And and that—that's interesting that you could kind of go to the lower end of the market, economy car. I mean, that's I guess kind of the default when I'm shopping for a rental car. Like, I don't care. I'm only there for a couple days, anyways. Just give me something cheap. But and so people are using Turo the same way, and so that makes a lot of sense versus going. 'Cause that's like the other use case for the platform. Like you said, Miami. I'm gonna go for the Maserati or yeah. the, these exotic cars because it's like, uh, you know, treat yourself for the weekend because yep. uh, because you can.
1: Absolutely. I will say honestly, this is what I always tell people. When you first get started, get started with economy cars. Like you said, it's less risk because it's a little cheaper than the economy. I mean, it's cheaper than an exotic car. But more importantly, it kind of gets you uh into the game, kind of get your feet wet and see if you really want to do it before scaling up to that higher tier car that's coming with a lot more maintenance problems. You know, uh, oil change on a exotic car is a lot different than an oil change on a, like a Camry, right? So um, honestly, starting with the economy car was probably the best move for us just because it kind of helped you. And typically, people will rent that car out 20, 25 days a month, whereas you got a, a luxury car, that car might get. 10 to 13 days, maybe just weekends. So all that plays a factor, especially uh, with your end goal. Because some people may just want to get in just to make a few dollars on the weekend. Or some people may just want to rent out their car during the week and drive it on the weekend. Same thing, vice versa. So I say, depending on where, what's your end goal, what type of car you should start with.
0: Okay. Yeah, how do I... I had some friends who were using it to basically offset the cost of ownership for their dream car. And it's like, okay, you know, I just have to live with the fact that it's being rented out half the time. And but that's okay, because that covers our entire payment. It makes the car free the rest of the month. It's like, okay, you know, it's like an interesting way to look at it. Do you have a rule of thumb that you're looking, okay, this is a $6,000 car. We expect it to make, you know, 800 bucks a month based on the, you know, demand that we see on the marketplace for similar makes and models. And then we're gonna we're going to go. We're going to throw our hat in the ring here.
1: Absolutely. And then um, always have an exit strategy, too. So like you were saying, make sure that, OK, this is something that we want to do. We all agree to the six grand. We knew that we was going to put this car on turbo full time. So we knew this car would be available to any and everyone who's need this economy car, but also having an exit plan. So the whole time, like you were saying, we got to think about maintenance. You got to think about the wear and tear that's going on that car. So as you see the value starting to decrease, that's when you want to try to exit with that car. So that's key, knowing your exit plan as well. So um, just going back to that $6,000 investment, when we first got the car, it was low miles. So it was to steal. I think we got it uh, with like 60,000 miles and we sold it under a 100,000 miles. So it was still a pretty good car to the next person, but we got the car with the full intentions of renting this car out, make our money back. And then when it's time to scale up, we originally was looking to sell it or use it as a trade in to get another car.
0: Okay. Is there a tool that you like to kind of visualize that depreciation curve of like, oh, if we let this go for another six months, it starts to get pretty steep here. So we ought to get out of it now.
1: Before the market got crazy, we used to just watch the market. So we use uh, different sites like Car Gurus and things like that. CarMax, only reason being, we always try to check that car, what that year making model is going out for at a certain time. Because especially if these cars are financed, right? You don't want to get too underwater and not be able to sell that car. So if you know that car is financed and you got a good deal on it, you want to make sure that you continue to watch the market as far as what those same year making models you're selling for. Because once you see that the market is going down or going up, you want to get out. For example, one of our cars, um, we sold it and made profit off of. And one of our cars, we sold it, the a 2022 Durango I recently just sold because the market was going down and the car wasn't renting well. And I had to eat like four grand worth of negative equity.
0: Mm, okay. So it, it can cut both ways. And it's been a weird couple of years in the used car market.
1: Yeah. So I wish I can give you a, a Zach blueprint, but this year the car market has been up and down these last couple of years.
0: Now we're talking about the dollars and cents and cash versus financing. And if there's one thing you're going to want to do in this business or any other, it's getting your financial house in order with our sponsor FreshBooks. You'll always have an up to the minute picture of your business finances so you can get a real sense of your profitability. This is especially pertinent if your bookkeeping system is still that shoebox full of receipts or that hard to decipher Excel sheet like it was for me for a lot of years. It's time to get organized and get in the cloud. FreshBooks is the all-in-one invoicing and accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. Well, how does that work? Well, FreshBooks takes all of the tough and annoying parts of running your business, like building, sending, and following up on invoices, processing online payments, uh, expense tracking, and it automates and simplifies them with an intuitive online dashboard. The end result is you spend less time on that administrative work and more time growing your business. It's also super easy to get up and running, and perhaps the best part is that every customer has access to FreshBooks' award-winning rockstar support team if you ever need any help. Go ahead, give FreshBooks a try free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Head on over to freshbooks.com slash hustle to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash sidehustle. Hey entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first ninety days. So, whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at hertz.com/slash-business-rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit hertz.com/slash-business-rewards to learn more. Yeah, well, it's a good example of a of a cash car, economy car acquisition and and maybe that's the way to test the water like look low low risk worst case you sell it for close to what you paid for it it's already you, the steepest part of the depreciation curve has already happened so it's that makes a lot of sense talk to me about the finance side so if i want to go something upscale like maybe it is that tesla model y just ignoring the fact that you can't get them for 4 months or 5 months but you know maybe something a little bit Nicer. Maybe it's that new Prius. Maybe it's something that the data has pointed you to. Hey, this is a hot car. There's lots of demand for this. But I don't. I don't want to tie up all that cash. or I don't have all that cash to put into it. Talk to me about like the financing math and like my carrying costs. Anything specific that has to do with the lender? Like knowing that you're going to go turn around and rent it out. Anything you have to do upfront there?
1: That's key. When financing cars, you definitely got to make sure you uh, work with certain lenders because, like, you hit it on the nose, Nick. So certain lenders, I'll give you an example, Ally Financial, Ally Bank, they do not allow you to rent their cars out. So if you are financing a car with them and trying to rent it on Toro, they will send you a letter basically saying, Hey, you, you must stop renting this car out. But other banks like Bank of America, they're a little bit more lenient as far as renting that car out. So as far as financing a car, I would say if they are looking for, you know, a higher grade car to get started with, make sure that you uh, get a pre-approval before going into the bank. Reason being, um, you want to be in control of that car buying process when you do buy that car because you still want to get the best deal possible. So if me and you are looking to go and buy a car, right, and you go straight into the dealership, Nick, and let them shop your credit with different finance companies, A, you're taking multiple credit deems. B, you're not sure if you're getting the best rate possible. You only can go based off what they tell you, right, what the salesmen tell you. We kind of do the car buying process a little different. We get pre-approval for certain banks, let's say Capital One, for example. Capital One will give you a pre-approval before going into the bank. And you can use that as a soft credit pool. So you get a, a general ballpark, what kind of car you can shop for. And it kind of give you a, a rough estimate of your payments and your interest. Granted, they're going to run your credit with a hard pool when you actually do the dealer app, but that kind of give the control to you. That way, the dealership can't just tell you, hey, this car is this amount and you only can afford these cars on this row. You kind of are in control of your own car buying process because you know exactly how much you can get financed for before even walking into the dealership.
0: It's just like that commercial with the Schitt's Creek guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: don't worry. Don't worry, dad. I, I got it on Capital yeah, One. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> it's like, where have I seen this before? No, that's cool. Okay. So you, you putting yourself in a better bargaining position in that way. And then, so you've kind of, you've done the pre-research to say, okay, I think this type of thing is going to rent for 20 to 30 days at this rate. Does Truro take a fee? Like you have to do some math to say, well, if I rent it for 60 bucks a day times 20 days, what's that? 1200 bucks a month? Or, you know, am I, Do I need to subtract off any fees outside of that, like platform fees?
1: As a host, you have different protection plans. So you can get 60-40 split, which you get 60% of earnings and Truro get 40, or you can go all the way up to 90 where you get 90% earnings and Toro get 10%, it's just uh, that it plays with your deductible, what Toro is willing to pay out for accident or uh, damage. What
0: uh, split do you like?
1: Oh, so I'm like right at 85. Reason being, um, the deductible at 90 is just too high. So something happened to your car, and I think the deductible is like, let's say five grand. I'm not sure. I want to say it's up there, 3,500 to five grand for sure. So any damage under that, they won't cover. So if somebody damaged your tire, damaged your windshield, and it's not 3500 or five grand, whatever that number is, it's not that much worth of damage. Toro is not going to cover it for you. They're going to tell you to try to work it out with the ren- uh, renter. If the renter decide not to pay, you're coming out of pocket for that. So that's the reason why I like to stay at the 85 mark. The deductible is a little bit more reasonable for me. And um, also, I like to make sure that the customer have a full understanding of The condition of the car before they rent it out. That way, if it is any damage, they kind of have, you know, they can take full responsibility and get it repaired themselves.
0: Okay, so under that plan, uh, in the sixty dollars a day example, you are taking home eighty five percent
1: of that, correct? And
0: fifteen is going to Toro, and that's covering their insurance
1: bill. Correct. Uh, Yep. Yes, sir. Um, That's the Toro fee on the host side. So whatever you put your daily rate at, you just got to factor in. Okay, I am only getting eighty five percent. Of that earnings,
0: okay. And then uh, other expenses, we have the loan payment on the car. What's typical? Thirty thousand dollar car, thirty five thousand dollar car. What do you see in as far as typical monthly carrying cost?
1: Thirty thousand dollar car, you should be around maybe five hundred, six hundred at the most. Anything over that, you pretty much you you eat into your profit. But um, as far as the expenses of the car, I would say it would be that monthly payment and the uh, insurance because you must keep. Uh, Your own insurance policy on these cars as well. The car is covered while on Toro, but when it's not on Toro, you must keep a policy active on there. So you got to make sure you uh, factor that in as well. Does it need to be a commercial policy? Um, They say you can use your personal. I would not recommend using your personal. We have commercial. Reason being, because right now, if you call your personal uh, policy, Nick, and let them know you're renting out your car. They won't be too happy with you. you know. They're, <laughs>
0: no, I don't. I don't imagine.
1: Right. They're on there to cover you, not your renter. So they say use your personal, but that should be like last resort. Honestly, I say if you're going to get in this rental car game, get commercial insurance. It, it is a little bit more, but at least you're protected. And like my policy, they know exactly what we're doing with these cars. There's no gray area. They know that we're actively renting these cars out to other people.
0: Okay. What is a typical monthly cost for that?
1: So we use a, a company called Lula. You must have six cars to start. I just want to make sure I remember it. six cars start. So you can not do it with like one or two cars. But uh, when, when you have like a fleet of cars, they actually make a custom policy tailored to your car fleet. That's what they did for us. It took about 30 days to get our policy started. But once we got started, we um, started off paying about $150 a car. So you times that about 14 cars. We pay a healthy payment in insurance, but at least we know we're protected. If somebody do not have insurance, we can add them on a policy temporarily for the time of their trip as well. So that kind of makes sure we're double covered. Okay. And then
0: other expenses to just budget for, it may not happen every single week or every single month, but maintenance and cleaning. Maintenance, you can kind of you know ballpark, oil oil change, tire rotation, all that kind of standard stuff. And then, you know, there's a whole industry built around like Airbnb cleaning, like, you know, between the checkout at 11 and check in at three o'clock, like, okay, the army of short-term rental cleaners come out and turn these units over. Is there a similar service for cars? Like, okay, we'll get it detailed. We'll vacuum it all out. We'll make sure it's ready to go for the next renter.
1: That's funny you said that, Nick, uh, because me and my brother was actually just talking about that yesterday. Like, hey, we should start doing what Airbnbs do, where we just kind of dominate the Toro host. As far as like, hey, man, we can come up, pull up as like a mobile detailer. But
0: yeah, side hustles on side. hustles. Yeah, that's what I,
1: that's funny you said that. So I actually that's like a sign to put that in play. But right now um, what we do now, we uh, form um, relationships with different car washes in the area. So we got the monthly pass on like a few of our cars so we can get unlimited washes all month. And it's like $30 a month. And trust me, you will get the value out of that in two days just dealing with rental cars and most of them have free vacuum. So we do a lot of the leg work ourselves. Granny it's three of us. So it's a little bit easier. Like we can kind of, uh, multitask when it comes to tackling some assignments, but yeah, we just kind of hit the local car washes, get it washed and, um, do our own inside detail and put our own tire rim shine on there and just make them look nice for the next customer.
0: Okay. All right. So now I have, I think a decent estimate of the overall financial picture here. We said um, 20 days a month, 60 bucks a day, call it 1200 minus the 15% Turo fee leaves us around a thousand bucks. And then on the expense side, we've got, uh, you know, maybe on the higher end, $600 a month payment, maybe five, 600 bucks uh, in like the car payment insurance, 150, maybe 200. And if we're going higher end, you know, maybe I can amortize the maintenance out hundred bucks a month, maybe not every month I'm going to have that expense, but just something to budget in. The car wash, 30 bucks a month, not a huge expense. So ballpark on the expense side, eight, 900, thousand bucks, maybe at the very high end, it doesn't leave us with any margin left. And we're not even taking into account depreciation of the car. We're not taking into account the time it takes to go drop off and pick this stuff up. So what do you do in that scenario if it doesn't really pencil out to say, you know, I'm not making really any money here, let alone the you know, 500, 1,000 bucks a month target that I was shooting for.
1: Right, correct. Because, um, like you were saying, you don't want to rent these cars out for free. So, you definitely want to take that into, into consideration. And um, moving forward, you kind of want to look into uh, what kind of car are you getting? Like, is this car feasible for this market? And if so, how much can you maximize this car per month? Uh, I think all that should be in play when you are getting a car. Because like you were saying, if you are making good money, but if the expenses is also high, you're kind of breaking even at the end of the month. So that's when you want to start looking into going into different markets, maybe seeing if you can charge a higher rate, maybe on the weekends or giving a monthly or weekly special or those type of things. But also, I always try to tell people when you are picking a car, make sure you're not picking like a, a $30,000 Camry that can be, price at 50 to $60 a day. Because if you someone can get a $30,000 used BMW or used Benz, a nicer high-end car, um, both of the loans will still be at $30,000, but you can may, maybe only charge $50 to $60 a day, while that other host can charge closer to $100 a day. So the profit margins is a lot wider for them. So these are things you should take into consideration when buying a car.
0: Yeah, doing your market research up front. So there's a few levers you can pull. One is like, can I get a, you know, a car of perceived higher value for the same purchase price for the same debt service that is going to rent for more on a month. Like, can I improve the, you know, front end revenue side of the equation? Do you have anything to estimate the demand in terms of like, well, the other variable that I can pull is, well, how many days is it realistic to rent out over a course of a month? Or do you have a rule of thumb there for, um, you know, the occupancy rate, so to speak?
1: So ideally, you want to go 20 to 25 days a month. That's ideal. You want to get that rented out. But actually, Toro actually just launched a new thing where they have reps that will send you the most rented out cars in your area, like updated stats of the different uh, cars that's rented out well, what's performing the worst, how many days this car is renting out. So that way you got some back-end market research exactly what's performing in your market because beforehand you just basically had to do like a general analysis of uh, each car in every market. But now Toro allows you to dive deep into your exact market, whether you're in Dallas, Miami, Las Vegas, vice versa. You can see what car is performing the best and how much that car is being rented out a month.
0: Okay. Yeah. So what I'm hearing here is make sure to do your homework upfront. There's an opportunity in the low cost cash car, economy car market. And then in the middle the math may become a little bit more difficult, especially if you're financing, and then maybe there's an opportunity at the higher end just to be able to bring in more upfront revenue in the hundred dollar a day range and above. Is there anything that you're doing to you know, kind of calculate the expected depreciation? I know the the used car market has been weird over the last couple of years, but it's curious to get your take on like well, you know, you know what are these things going to be worth in twelve to eighteen months or twenty four months uh, after? You know, they have done their service for you on Turo.
1: Absolutely. So we always have an exit plan with these cars. Um, Typically, we want to keep a car for a year, a year and a half max. But, you know, if you get a brand new car, obviously you can do it a little longer, more like two years. But you do got to keep in mind the miles that you're putting on there, the depreciation with the wear and tear. So again, we try to get in and out these loans within a year, a year and a half max. And um, as you level up in your tiers. So for example, if I finance a $30,000 car for let's say a year 12 months after that 12 months i can now go up to that next tier which is a $60,000 car now my profit margins is a lot bigger um i'm still financing cars but it's just kind of going through those steps so you can get to those higher tier cars so you can kind of charge more of a $100 a day 150 a day even all the way up to like 3 400 a day depending on which market you're in but yeah uh, as you move up tiers is kind of how you start to close that gap with that profit margin
0: Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing. Maybe the, maybe the right way to look at it is, you know, projected cash on cash return. If it only costs me, you know, a couple grand uh, down payment to get into the car, and maybe that's not realistic, I'm not sure, for an expected, you know, at least cash flow profit of twelve grand a year, that's a really strong cash on cash return. And oh, by the way, I have this asset that is still sellable at the end of that, that hopefully isn't, uh, hopefully isn't underwater. Now, all of that negates the, the time part of the equation where it, you know, these, it still requires a bunch of time and logistics to hand over keys and drop things off and take it to the car wash. Talk me through some of the logistics here, especially like the airport pickups. If you don't live near an airport, it may be a non-starter, or maybe you can specify like, I only want to do local in-town rentals. How do you handle that, especially with now a fleet of 14
1: Yep. Yep. So, yeah, like you said, you can set your deliveries. You can actually charge people to deliver to the airport, which is pretty cool. But as far as the logistics of it, we try to um, automate the messaging because messaging everybody, cleaning out cars, handing over keys, talking to people, making sure everyone is uh, cool with their car. It can get kind of hectic at times. Right. So we try to automate the text messages. So when somebody book a car, we have an automated message, greeting them, uh, explaining the check in details. What's the identification uh, required from them? So that way they kind of have a clear understanding of what's needed from them without us even talking to them at first.
0: This is something that you can set up through Toro.
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, we use CarSync. CarSync is a platform that allows you to sync Toro, get around, hire car. And these are different platforms exactly like Toro, just, um, platforms for peer to peer ride sharing where you can rent out your car. So it allows you to sync all your different platforms together. That way you're not double booking and all your calendars just together. And the cool thing about car sync, it actually uh, does a lot of backend work for you. It, it tracks stacks for that car. It tracks the, uh, the monthly usage of that car. So you can look at the data and it also allows you to look at um, your GPS locations on that website. Like I was saying earlier, you can set up automated messages where you can do auto reply. It's very user-friendly when it comes to car sync, but that kind of help uh, people, especially if you're going to have a higher level of fleet, 10, 15 cars, you might want to start automating some systems so that way you're able to be effective on a daily.
0: Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like dot com slash side hustle start your business journey today with the help of taylor brands so here's how i'm imagining this goes down i put the car up for rent somebody says yes i'm flying into seatac on thursday i'll come and meet you at arrivals and we'll do we'll do our little you know video walkthrough inspection make sure everything looks okay they sign off and but now i'm stuck at the airport and i gotta get an uber home like what happens what happens next
1: Yep, yep. So yeah, that's the tricky part. Uh, I always say make sure you have a ghost rider with you, somebody who's can follow you in another car or at least, uh, do it with a partner. Partnership is key when it comes to this. Cause like you were saying, if you got to catch an Uber from the airport after every delivery, you're eventually going to start eating into that profit. Whereas you're going to start breaking even, especially when you start looking at your Uber bill at the end of the month versus what you made. It's like, it's kind of canceling each other out. Especially if a trip is like a hundred and fifty dollars and it's a sixty dollar Uber to get home. Now that trip is only ninety bucks.
0: Yeah, and then you gotta do it again on the on the return side.
1: Exactly. So yeah, having a partner or having somebody with you is key. Luckily I have my wife, two business partners, and my brother. So I always have available hand with me. But I can give you another play right now, Nick. If you do have to use Ubers, so if you just have nobody else who wanna do it with you or your friends are just tired of you calling them for uh, rides, right? <laughs> yeah. If you do have to get in the Ubers, start building relationships with those Uber drivers because some Uber drivers actually drive privately o- outside of Uber. And um, you can um, talk into a deal with them where you can get a flat rate. Like, for example, we had a um, guy who drives a Tesla Uber. We, we use them like once or twice. And I just kept getting in the back of his car. And I was explaining to him what I was doing. He explained to me what do he doing aside. We formed an agreement to $20 flat rate whenever I need a ride to the airport or from my house or from the airport to my house, $20 flat rate. And um, that kind of helped me save some money and still have that secondary option.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's another expense that we we didn't really itemize for, but it definitely adds up if that's something that you're going to have to be doing on both ends of the trip. So it makes sense to have multiple people follow cars other ways around that, I guess, you know, public transportation on the way back home. Um, is there an option to say, I'm sorry, I I don't do the airport, like that's just too far for me, but this is still an interesting model.
1: Oh, absolutely. We have a friend down here. He have a lot of Teslas, Model 3, Model Y, and this dude refused to go to the airport. He just hates the traffic. He <laughs> hates the commotion. So he just do not have airport deliveries on this platform. He still does well. You have a home local uh, location where he can meet the guests in a public location and still get the job done. Um, But in that case, I, I can only imagine his renters. They Uber from the airport to the place. I know we have a few people like that. Like, hey, I don't want to pay the delivery fee. I'll just Uber to you. It's only fifteen dollars from the airport to you. I'll just uh, catch an Uber. I, I have seen that in the past. But yeah, to answer your question, some people just do not deal with the airports.
0: Okay. And you, and you just said you can tack on a delivery fee, like it's going to at least offset the cost of your ride to get back home or something.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So I have seen crazy delivery fees at like a hundred dollars delivery fee, one fifty just to deliver it to the airport and people pay it. Uh, people pay for convenience, I guess, but like you were saying that, that'd cover your Uber cost right there.
0: Yeah. I mean the big pitch for Turo in a lot of cases was where you can get a car that you want the specific one that you want, you can get something that's unique. Or you could save some money over the traditional car rental agencies. But once you start tacking on these fees, like uh it may not be as much of a cost savings. Exactly. Yep. Uh you mentioned a second ago uh get around and hire car as alternative platforms. This would be like Lyft to Uber, you know, it's just uh similar platforms doing the same thing. Are you able to syndicate your listings to uh to these other sites too?
1: Um yes, sir. Yep. So honestly, it's two, it's two parts to that. So on the car scene app that I was telling you about, it lets let you integrate all those sites on there together. But Toro, honestly, they, if you read it to the uh, terms of service, they don't want you to um, list this car on multiple platforms. That's what most people don't talk about. So Toro, honestly, if they say if you're renting this car out on Toro, that's fine, but they do not recommend you use other platforms like Hire Car, Get Around. Uh, reason being they probably want to uh, avoid the risk of double booking, uh, making sure that they insure in the car at the right time. Different things may go into that. But um, yeah, so a lot of people don't talk about that. You honestly don't supposed to. We don't use higher car and get around personally just because um, the clientele just not the type of market we're, we're aiming for. We tried it and it just didn't work out. We would mainly like to stick with Toro and we also have our own private booking platform where we also uh, allow people to book, like I was saying earlier, through our commercial insurance policy. People don't like talking about it, but they don't really like you to do multiple platforms. But if you do multiple platforms, that CarSync website will help you integrate all of them so you don't get hit with double bookings or you can set a three-hour buffer between this booking and the next booking so it's not like right on top of each other.
0: Yeah, at least give me time to go get it vacuumed out or something, you know? (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Right.
0: Okay. And then the other piece of that is the is the check-in process. And are you going back to the airport to meet somebody there? Is there, you know, turning the car in at the end of their trip?
1: Yep. If the bookings come in uh, at perfect time, and sometimes you have somebody trip in at 9 a.m. at the airport, and somebody trip will start at 2 p.m. at the airport. So in that case, you will make sure you get the car, get it ready for them at a reasonable time. And just make sure you stay around the airport so you don't have to double back. So just making sure you game plan your day. But yeah, that's just unfortunate uh, with that business. You will have uh, airport drop off, get all the way home and have somebody request your car for the airport, have to go all the way back. Now, in certain cases, um, people do allow self check-ins and self checkouts where they just leave the car up there. They won't even um, come pick it up. They have you take pictures of the car before and after. Um, and they do everything through the phone. And then they have it ready for the next guest. So when the next guest come in, they had send them the pictures of the location and have them take the car. I have seen people do it like that as well.
0: Huh, like it has the keyless entry or something and we're not going to clean it.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the tricky part. So me, I'm big on customer service. So I want everybody who rent my car, I want them to have a good experience. I want them to get in the car and smell that fresh air. Like, you know, so that's the biggest risk. It's called Toro Go, the platform I was just telling you about. Toro Go basically allow you to check in and check out directly through the app. They are sending you a code right on your app, but that's the risk you run into is, did the person leave the car clean? Is their clean the same clean as your clean? Right.
0: <laughs> it's like you said, that smell, that's like almost the first thing that somebody's going to notice when they open that door and like, what did I just sign myself up for? Yes, sir. Um, and you could set a minimum, like, I don't want to do one day rental. Like you could uh, I guess similar to Airbnb, it's a, you know, minimum two nights, minimum three nights or something just to save yourself on this, you know, back and forth.
1: Yes, sir. You can do um, a two-day minimum on Toro. I highly recommend doing so as well. We run into the most trouble when we uh, was dealing with one-day renters. People who want to rent it out for like a couple of hours or just for 24 hours. Yeah. That's where most of the red flags are coming in at.
0: Okay. Like the joy riders
1: and like, okay. Exactly.
0: This won't be a problem for most people starting out, but do you ever run into the issue where I got to be in two places at once, you know, managing the fleet?
1: Oh, yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, man, let's say some of your partners are not available or, you know, most of the time people start this and they still have a job. When you got to be in two places at one time, honestly, being transparent, you may have to call a renter and ask, can one delay a trip or can one start a trip early? That way you can kind of adjust to both of them, but that's when that partnership or at least having a buddy come in hand because you will, especially on the weekend, you will wake up on Friday morning and have two bookings at two p.m. Both of them are landing from different airlines at the same airport, and they both want their car as soon as they arrive. So you got to be kind of creative as, as sometimes.
0: Yeah, where somebody is landing at Love Field and somebody's landing at DFW, and you're like,
1: oh, this is not
0: really close together. talk to me about the logistics around around doing it around a day job because you know even if you are profiting a thousand bucks a month probably not enough to live on uh on just one vehicle so yeah trying to do this ramp up period of doing it on the side and trying to be you know hope your hope your boss doesn't walk you notice you walking out in the middle of the day to go drop off a car
1: yeah so exactly so i started and i was still working at the bank i was working at ally financial honestly when i started and um yeah, I, I highly recommend. Make sure that you know you want to do this before quitting your day job because you can get on the internet and all the gurus say, quit your job today. Start renting out cars tomorrow. That's not really smart, especially like you were saying, if you only have one car, you might not be able to keep up with your daily uh expenses with that income. So I honestly started and I still have my day job, but I started running into the problem. The more we scaled up with cars, like you were saying, I will leave for lunch and be gone for two hours because I'm doing airport pickups or drop-offs or clean-outs or whatever. So it, it became a conflict of interest with my work. So that's the reason I step away from my job because it, it just came to a point I couldn't be at two places at one time. But starting off, you, I highly recommend keeping your job. That way you have that foundation, that yeah. guaranteed income. And, and that way you kind of get your feet wet in the Toro game and see if there's something you really want to dive into.
0: Are you comfortable sharing where the business was uh revenue-wise or profit-wise when you uh, took the leap?
1: Um, yes, at that time, uh, we had six cars when I, um, got my two weeks notice for my job. I had to put in my two week notice. We had six cars. And the reason I had to leave personally, because I was looking to, um, at the time I made the decision, I want to have a rental car agency because at first we were just doing it on the side just to make money, but I was in love with driving cars for free. That's kind of what drove me. I was driving these nice cars. We'd get nicer cars, and I'm not making any payments. So that's kind of was my decision. And at the time, we had six cars. And profit-wise, we was making, just to be saved, let's say, five to six grand a month off of the cars. But the money wasn't my main thing because I actually took a loss in the income. I actually lost money when I stepped away from my job when I initially did it. But I bought my time back and I was just dropping these cars for free. So I'm like, hey, I don't have to, you know, wake up at 7 a.m. and go to the bank anymore.
0: Yeah, that may be kind of like the um, the gateway drug into it is like, oh, I get to drive my, my dream car for free. And then like, well, what would happen if I scaled this thing up? I can see, you know, my gears are turning a little bit, even though we don't live super close to the airport. It's like, oh, OK, there might be. There might be something here, or at least, you know, cater to the in-town people or do a delivery fee that makes it worth your while. Definitely an interesting business. Aside from, you know, rental number two, like the car getting stolen and dealing with uh, unresponsive renters, I I imagine at this point over the last couple of years, you've seen everything. You know, what other worst case scenarios should people be on the lookout for?
1: Oh, yeah. So this hasn't happened to me, but I have seen people will especially locals, that's why it's it's key that you vet your customers out. You don't just say, hey, here go my car. Have a good day. You kind of get a feel for them. You let them know um, the ins and outs of the car, so you kind of get their vibe. But I have seen where people will rent your car, and let's say they have that same car, they will swap your rims and tires with theirs and bring your car back with their old rims and tires and take your new ones. Oh yeah, people do crazy things. I've seen where people, this I've seen on the internet. Somebody had a Tesla and the Tesla was like at one location for hours and the person got weary. So they like looked up the location. And it was actually at a body shop. So they did what anybody else would do. They pulled up to the body shop to see what's going on. And the person was actually, I'm not sure what they was doing is actually it should be on YouTube. The person was like had the Tesla up in the air, like trying to cut parts off of this person's car. What? They just, they just had rented it out on Toro. Oh so those are like some of the like the real scary scenarios as far as for ourselves. The um our main thing is people damaging the rims and tires and things like that. I know it seems um small, but if you have a high-end exotic car and somebody bring it back with the rim scratch, your next renter is gonna complain about those rims when he see it. So that's our biggest uh, like expense. I would say it's not that um expensive, but that happened more often than not.
0: Yeah. And so just documenting everything up front and, and then doing that thorough check-in to say, well, that's not how I, that's not the same condition I gave it to you. in.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, um, making sure you take pictures again, Toro recommend 15 to 20 pictures. We recommend 60 to 70 pictures, just so you have every single angle of that car covered. And then, um, honestly, people only going to treat your car, how you treat it. For example, if we pull up, and um, you pull up fast in your car, music loud, and you just hand them the keys, that's most likely how they're going to drive your car. But if you pull up and um, you show that you have some care about your car, you walk them around the car, you show them some features, you show them any dents or any damages already to the car, they person, you put it on your conscience like, hey, let me take care of this car because when I met this guy, he was real thorough in his process. He's going to look at his car when, they, when he gets it back. So, you know, making sure that you do that check-in process thoroughly is key.
0: Okay. The other thing that you mentioned was building the business off of Turo, like having your own booking sites. I'm guessing this is for, you know, your repeat customers, business travelers coming to Dallas and saying, Hey, you know, it's awesome doing business with you. I'm coming back next month or I have a conference coming up or something. Can I just rent directly from you? And you know, you hear that enough times the bells start to go off. It's like, yes, yes, sir. You can like, talk to me about that platform.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So like you were saying, people will offer like, hey, can I just rent directly through you? And some people do it like, hey, just send me money through Zelle Cash App. Very risky, in my opinion, because now you don't have Toro coverage. And it's kind of like not a business transaction. It's more like a friend to friend. Hey, you're borrowing my car. Um, So that was kind of risky. So we honestly were shying away from that. Once we invested into our mentor, um, he kind of taught us how to get commercial insurance. And the commercial insurance allowed us to Put renters on our platform so that way we're covered. Then we eventually got our own app. That way we can uh, rent out the cars properly, charge a security deposit, charge them for gas or mileage, you know. So we can do it the proper way. So when somebody do decide to step off a of Turo or hit us up like, hey, I'm coming back to Dallas, can we, you know, rent directly through you instead of Turo? Because they probably will save in fees, so they definitely will save from renting directly through us. And we will profit more because we don't have that middleman in there to take that fee. So, both it's a win win for both parties.
0: Right. You already have the proper commercial insurance for that, and you're, you have acceptable level deductibles. And especially if it's a repeat customer, like, okay, I've already built some trust here.
1: Yeah, exactly. And another thing we like to do. So, um, I give you a little tip real quick with Uber and Lyft drivers. If you go to like any, like in Dallas, we have Uber and Lyft groups on Facebook. And we have multiple drivers who's eager to drive who, A, can't drive their car anymore, B, car got broken down, or C, just don't have a car. So we have different options where we allow those people to book our car at a weekly rate and drive Uber and Lyft to make their self money. So uh, we call it the 30 for 30 play. Using that method, we kind of want to get these cars running out all 30 days out of 30 for the month.
0: Yeah, and you may accept the lower daily rate for that, but you don't have to deal with the check-in process uh, for it.
1: And you know that person is going to keep a car because he's making money off the car. So he's kind of incentivized to keep renting that car out for you every week.
0: But yeah, they're putting some miles on it, though, which you know, accelerates that uh, depreciation.
1: Yep, yep. I I'll, I'll say use that with economy cars. Highly recommend cash economy cars because you don't want to do that with a finance car and just kill the depreciation. But yeah, if you got a cash economy car that's running good and is going slow on Toro, do that 30 for 30 play, and I guarantee you would make that money.
0: Yeah, and that's what uh, the Hire Car platform, H Y R E Car platform, was kind of known for. I don't know if they still are, it was like renting two rideshare drivers.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. And um, they still do that as well. We just had bad luck when dealing with Hire Car, so we just kind of um, deleted our profile with them.
0: Okay. Well, very good. You've got the fleet going on. You've got um, you know the direct booking business. You've got familytalksauto.co. What's going on over there?
1: Oh, yeah. So that's key. We just honestly rolled out Family Talks Auto Academy, where we honestly teach people how to drive their car for free and teach anyone who's looking to get in the rental car game. So um, again, we started kind of raw, not knowing the ins and outs. We invested into a mentor. we seen the benefits of having that mentor, teaching us the back end stuff. So um we just want to kind of deliver the same type of message to our people. Anybody who's looking to get started, we had a few friends and family who seen what we was doing and wanted to get started in their own town. So we kind of started with the academy with just friends and family and it's growing. Now we have people from Chicago, people from Alaska it's a lot of people in the community who's joining just to kind of learn a rental car game. And we're teaching them hand to hand, kind of what we do, our processes, um, the GPS trackers I, I told you about, just the ins and outs of the Toro game. So when they do get started, they have some experience under their belt.
0: Yeah. You're, you're, you're painting the picture of both sides, like, which is good. The realistic side, like, look, you can make some money doing this,
1: but there's a lot of bad things that can happen.
0: And you got to make sure you got the trackers and the insurance and, you know, the logistics and all the. So it's, uh, yes, I I believe that makes sense. (laughs) Check check Curtis and his partners out over there, familytalksauto.co. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation.
1: My number one tip will be make sure you get your credit right, any and everybody. um, Investing into your credit is investing into you, and that's key. The reason being is because you can do so many more plays if you are looking to start a business. Um, You don't necessarily need the capital up front if you have a strong credit profile because you can actually start a LLC, personal guarantee that LLC, and start getting funded for that business. As long as you got a good credit and a good business plan, you can get started with your business, honestly, with no out-of-pocket money. So that's be my biggest tip is make sure you're working on your personal credit so you always be in position to kind of move forward when opportunities do arise.
0: That was the question I missed earlier when you are talking about financing. It was, oh are you putting it under your own name or are you putting it under the LLC name, right? You're setting up the, the entity to be like, okay, the car is at least one level removed from uh, for me personally.
1: Absolutely. So we do both. Uh, we started off with finance and cash cars, but now we do have cars in our business name. It's different plays, different banks will give you a car with no personal guarantee. They will let you get that car in your business name solely. Other banks want you to personal guarantee. That way you have that safety net. Using your personal credit, but yeah, I would highly recommend try to get these cars in your business name. That way, you're protected with that extra set of liability with the LLC. And um, when you do have them in your business name, that just frees up your personal credit again. That way, you can leverage it to make more business moves or get more funding options.
0: Yeah, are you planning to continue to expand the fleet? What's going on there?
1: We're looking to get to about twenty to twenty five cars, and then eventually get a brick and mortar here in Dallas where we're. Uh, have a home office because right now the cars is running out so much it make no sense for us to you know get a building location just because the cars is always uh here for a day or two and right back on the road but once we get up to 20 25 cars it makes sense for us to you know transition to a building
0: yeah have a dedicated place where you can park everything yeah
1: makes exactly sense. yep
0: okay Well, cool. I'm excited to see where you take it. Definitely an interesting model. That is one we've kind of danced around a few different times uh, on the show over the last 500 episodes, but uh, have yet to do a dedicated uh, conversation on it. So very much uh, appreciate you taking the time, Curtis. And uh, that is it for me. We will catch up with you soon. All right. My top takeaways from this call with Curtis Now, anytime you're dealing with vehicles, it's a it's a very personal thing. There's a lot of liability involved, and there can also be significant upfront investment involved. So this is one that you really need to do your homework for. If it's a model that appeals to you, I liked Curtis's call to start small, start low risk with an inexpensive economy car. That way you can learn the ropes. You can see how the business works. See if you like it, see if it's worthwhile, and then scale up from there. And that's similar to a lot of side hustles we cover and really my own side hustle experiments over the year as well. Start with that toe dip, you know, see if the water's warm, see if there aren't too many piranhas lurking and then jump in with both feet. Now, I like the rental business model in general as a way to generate cash flow, uh, often at a much more exciting rate of return than traditional rental real estate. As one example, it's one of my four types of passive or time leveraged income. The other three are buying cash-flowing assets like real estate or dividend-paying stocks, building cash-flowing assets like websites or digital products, and then reverse passive income, cutting out those ongoing expenses to bank the savings. But renting out assets that you own or control is a really interesting way to get paid over and over again for the same product. One of my favorite and most creative examples of this was Steve Nadramia's portable hot tub rental business that we covered in episode 428. Really, I looked at what I needed to make to get rid of this summer job, which was becoming kind of a burden to me. And like I said, I was looking at that thousand dollar a month, 12,000 a year to kind of cover my $10,000 salary that I was trying to replace. I thought that was doable. I think we started at uh, a 199 for a week. So 200 a week. You know, if I had two tubs, could I get five rentals, basically a 50% Capacity, right? You know, per month between the two tubs. Could I do that on average over the course of a year and make 12 grand? I thought I could. Again, that one is episode 428. You can scroll down and find it in your podcast app. Super inspiring episode. It was actually inspired by that episode. I put together my list of other unconventional things that you can rent out for a profit. I was kind of trained to think of a rental business as one where you go buy a three bedroom, two bath house. And if you can get 1% of the purchase price as the monthly rent, then you're doing really well. But it turns out there are lots of other things people will rent, and a lot of them have much more interesting ROIs, but usually some more work involved as well. Always trade-offs. In any case, make sure to grab that list, that list of unconventional rentals as your special listener-only bonus this week. It's at sidehustlenation.com slash cars, or follow the show notes link in the episode description. Big thanks to Curtis for sharing his insight. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Again, I want to invite you to get your business out of the proverbial shoebox full of receipts and into the cloud with the help of FreshBooks. Side Hustle Show listeners can start your 30-day completely free trial at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where you'll meet the mom who started a part-time commercial cleaning business and clocked a hundred grand in revenue in the first nine months. I'll see you then. Hustle on.